Hey, what's up, everybody? Greatest show on dirt coming to you live from the Sweet Bee Studios. And on today's show, I've got the professor, the guy that will make you smarter at all things baseball, John Roberts. What's going on, man? Hey, what's up, Q, man? It's good to be with you. Dude, it's, I'm glad you're back, man. I don't think we've recorded together in over a year. Uh, Yeah, no, I, I think... Uh... Uh, I think that's right, man. I've been itching, uh, but hey, I'm glad to be back today. Dude, the offseason's been pretty good with like, you know, we've had some pretty good signings and then the Houston Astros sign-stealing scandal, and then you've got teams out there like the Cubs and the Red Sox who are sort of just not really adding anything, and then they're sort of looking to like dump payroll, so... Sort of the first thing I wanted to get your opinion on, and I'm excited to have you on because since the Houston Astros sign-stealing scandal, like, I've had nobody on the podcast, so I've heard nobody else's opinions on, like, the Cubs, in teams like the Cubs and the Red Sox standing pat, and the Astros and sort of what happened with that. So let's get started on the Cubs, and I'd like to sort of get your opinion on sort of just what you think of the situation, you know? And I get, again, if you're listening to this podcast, like, this opinion doesn't really, like, like, a lot of the insight on what's happening in Chicago, I think, you know, can be, like, applied to other teams as well because there are teams out there not doing a whole lot, especially, like, the Red Sox. So what's your take on the Cubs as far as, like, standing pat with what they have, not really making any big moves, but then also, like, they're looking to trade some of their big names? I mean, so to me it feels like when when they brought in – when they brought in Theo and Jed and the team, I mean, as fans, we always knew – uh, that they would be competitive and, you know, we felt like they would do whatever it was that they needed to do to win. And for the first, you know, once they, once they built that team after a couple of rough years and then 2015 happened and rolling, we saw them making trades and making free agent additions. And I think we got spoiled a little bit. And, but, Right now, it's like it's went the other way, and I mean, it feels like this. That's, I mean, to me, it feels like the front office went out to get a pack of cigarettes. It really does. <laughs> and they're not I coming mean, back. They're just nowhere to be found, nowhere to be heard from. Uh, I, I mean, we're you know in January, and they haven't signed a single player to a guaranteed major league contract. And I mean, we're not the Cleveland Indians. We're not the Tampa Bay Rays, we're not the Florida Marlins. We're talking about Chicago Cubs. So I I wonder if this has more to do with the marquee network than the organization is letting on. I'm wondering if the revitalization of Wrigley Field, we know it costs a lot more than they thought it would cost, but I wonder if all these factors aren't playing into it. Uh, and then also, you know, I know people don't like mixing politics and sports, but the two can't be separated. I wonder if this may have something to do with the, you know, the family commitment of the Cubs ownership in the upcoming presidential election. And if all of those things have kind of come to a head, you know, uh, cause more than anything, I just wonder why they are behaving the way they're behaving from a financial aspect. Yeah, because it's sort of like, I 
I imagine it's just like, you know, starting a business. Like you're going to dump a lot of money into it at first and it's going to take a while to profit from it. And, you know, sort of what you said with like the election coming up or whatever. And then like everything they did, like, you know, rebuilding the stadium and the marquee network. And like, I guess maybe like is what you're saying is they're just concerned about like their profit right now. And maybe they're worried about losing too much now and they wouldn't recoup it. Well, I think they have revenue. I think they have revenue allocated other places. Okay. And I think that I think that I think it's obvious that the marquee network is their priority, and and then perhaps uh, the rickets aren't willing to dive in. You know, if there's shortfalls, budget shortfalls with the team, which I mean, the way they pack Wrigley, I don't see how there could be. Yeah. But I think maybe the Ricketts family are reluctant uh, in terms of the luxury tax and things of that nature to dip into their own pockets. That's what it feels like. I mean, that's what it feels like to me, especially when you look at the luxury tax and what that means. I don't think they're acting like this because they're worried about losing draft picks. I think it comes down to cold, hard cash. And for Chicago Cubs fans who flock to Wrigley Field you know, uh, summer after summer and spend all this money that we spend there. I mean, it feels kind of like a promise forgotten, right? I mean, so, and I think a lot of Cubs fans are feeling that right now because we look at this team and, you know, if you're not getting better, then you're certainly not staying, staying the same, right? There is no standing still in baseball. Mm Mm-hmm. You're either getting better or you're getting left behind. And right now it feels like when you look at what Cincinnati is doing, when you look at the season that the Cardinals had in their young core, and then, of course, the ever-present, you know, the ever-present nemesis and menace in Bratt in Milwaukee, it feels like it feels like the Cubs are falling back a little bit. And – I feel like they're kind of in a place right now where they organizationally, they just need to make a decision of where they're at and who they are and where they're going. Um, I think it's this, this in between. It's like kind of like that boyfriend that won't commit. I think that's what's driving Cubs fans in the city of Chicago. Crazy. (laughs) Like you, you tell me like we're engaged, but we've been engaged for 10 years right now, you know? Um, Right. I right. Definitely, yeah, and it, yeah, and I got my girlfriend in St. Louis. You know, she just got married to this young stud. <laughs> you know, and and then you got my other friend. She's in Cincinnati. Um, you know, she's dating this guy, and things are getting real serious. And I mean, they're I mean, they're tasting wedding cake. I and mean, what are we doing here, guy? Yeah. You know, I mean, I think there's some of that going on. It's just, and I felt yeah. like when they. In the managerial search, I felt like if they went for an outside candidate like Girardi, that was going to be your signal that they were going to make wholesale changes. But when they kept David Ross, or when they brought in David Ross, I felt like that was that signal that, hey, we're going to stay with this core and build around this core because that's the biggest benefit of, of bringing David Ross in is his relationship with your core. So I felt like that was a signal to the team and to to fans that they were going to pretty much stick with what they got. And I guess so. I guess you know, as I say here, complaining that's exactly what they've done, but they haven't made any changes. 
Uh, and that is something that has me kind of scratching my head. Yeah, me too. I mean, because it's when they, one of the things that sort of started me like and put like this bitter taste of like big business in my mouth was the fact that the Ricketts didn't show up to the Cubs convention again this year where like the previous seasons, like when they had just bought the team, like they were there every year answering questions, mingling with the fans. And so with them stepping aside and not doing anything, it's almost like they're, they know what they're doing is wrong and they're not going to show up and be like completely transparent about it. So like in one sense, like what you said, like the hiring of David Ross, I think you're a hundred percent right on that that let's bring David Ross in because he's one of the core of our 2016 team and we'll keep this team together because at the end of the day, if you've got a team with Rizzo, Bryant, Hayward, who's good on defense and his bat, looks like it's getting a little better, but I don't know if it's the juice ball and then starting pitching of like Lester, Hendricks, Quintana, like this should be a team that can do pretty good, but then at the same time, like it's exactly what you said again with like, you know, if you're not adding anything, you're not making yourself better because every single team, like the Cardinals are out there trying to make a play for like Nolan Arenado. The Brewers are always doing something sneaky. And then the Reds, you know, are loading up where at this point, the Reds might end up with the best pitching staff in the NL Central with like everything that they have over there. For, forget the NL, NL Central. They may have the best rotation in baseball. Yeah. And if it weren't for that band box of a stadium, I mean, they might have two or three Cy Young contenders. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I mean, I, wa- I watched Sonny Gray pitch in that ballpark twice last year, and that dude looked like the second coming of Roger Clemens. Yeah, dude, he was striking. So, I'm pretty sure there were a few games where he had a good I, I amount mean, of striking. Cincinnati's there. Do not yeah. sleep on the Reds. They've uh, always been able to hit and score runs, and now they can pitch. Yeah, because they've had potent guys and on offense the past few years. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, that's, you know, so – you know, and I know there's been a lot of talk about, like, trading Chris Bryant. And I'm actually, you know, I, I'm on board. I am, I think, as but well. But kind of my, my, my perspective on it is that you ask for a Chris Sale-like return. Yeah. And you only trade him for a Chris Sale-like return. You know, I, I've gotten a lot of flack on Twitter from Braves fans and then other Cubs fans, because I'm out there saying, you know, if you want Chris Bryant, you know, give me Max Waters or Christian Pache, uh, Wright and Anderson, the pitchers, plus another piece like Dean or Miller. And people are just, you know, the laugh, cry, laugh emoji and everything. Tell me that I'm on crack and all this. And I'm like, this is a young superstar in his prime with two years of control. Uh, I'm not, you know, I, I would not endorse giving him away for Austin Riley and a pack of cigarettes. No way. No. Mm-mm. And so I think that, that that's, you know, where the front office has to be on Chris Bryant. They don't have to trade him. I mean, they can go to the Kansas City Royals route and they can just let it play out. Mm-hmm. And Bryant, I get it. You know, I get it. And I get, you know, Boris in his ear. But you know what? There was another young third baseman that won a World Series early on that had Boris in his ear, uh, Mike Moustakis, and we see how that worked out for Moustakis. So I think Bryant may need to look at what the Cubs are offering him and really seriously look at it. Because you don't know, off-season, off-season, what the dynamics of free agency are going to look like. And I don't think it's a guarantee, especially if he kind of has the up-and-down stuff 
he has the up and down stuff that he's had the last couple of years, I don't think it's a guarantee that Chris Bryant gets a $300 million contract. Oh, I, I, I don't think he does but, at all, no. But if that's where they're stuck, and that sounds like that's where Boris is stuck, then I think you really have to seriously trade him, I mean, or at least look at it. Yeah. But you can't just, I mean, especially with the fan base where we are right now, uh, you can't you can't just give him away either. I mean, you, no. you have to extract a pound of flesh. And otherwise, I mean, there's nobody else on the core that I would trade. I mean, let's talk about trading Wilson Contreras. I think it's crazy. I mean, you have one of the best young catchers in baseball. They don't come around every day. And, you know, you can't, you, you, you can't replace Wilson. Why would yeah. you trade him? He's and such a good so, I mean, To me, like trading Wilson's a signal that you're just going to rip the thing down, right? Yeah. So that kind of comes back to what I said. They, they have to decide who they are. Are they coming or going? And if you're going, don't do this toe-foot-in-the-water thing. Just, just go. You know, yeah. burn it down. But if you were going to compete, then, you know, let's do some things. I'm not saying you have to go throw stupid money out of free agents because we've seen that doesn't work. Yeah. But let's make some trades. You know, let, let's make some trades. Let's make some signings. Let's try to improve the team instead of this just standing still stuff. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because there are guys – because it seems like every year – there are teams out there that make smart moves. They'll sign a guy for a value, and then he ends up giving them so much the following season, like all those years where Moustakas was available and signed like a couple one-year contracts. And I feel like there are even smart moves where like, I can't think of anyone off the top of my head, but I'll like see guys get signed, and I'm like, oh gosh, the Cubs could have done that. Like that's a that's a smart signing right there. And it's like they're not even doing I mean, the smart little signings. I mean, Cesar Hernandez. Yeah. How good would he look at second base? Mm-hmm. I mean, there are guys right now on the street that, you know, I don't even think they're sniffing at. No. And, I mean, you know, like I said, I mean, you look at Cesar Hernandez, uh, he, you know, he's still out there after being non-tendered by the Phillies. He's a, he's a very good defensive second baseman. Uh, he always gives you a quality at bat. You know, he's going to give you – you know, 14 home runs, 70 RBIs. You know, the OPS is usually in the 750s. And, and, and he, you know, the biggest thing is he gives you a little bit of, you know, he gives you a little bit of uh, versatility too because you can move him around the infield some. Mm-hmm. That guy's on the street. I mean, he had a two-and-a-half war last year. I mean, why, you know, and it's not going to take you – a ton of money, which actually now I'm looking. Cesar Hernandez apparently signed with the, the Indians under my radar, so okay. scratch that. But there are there are moves out there that they can make. I mean, I do like what they've done with the bullpen as far as just bringing in a lot of guys with things to like about them and then just kind of – it's like a like the Hunger Games. They're just going to see who ends up the victor. I actually kind of like that because with the bullpen, it's all, whether you spend $50 million or $5 million, it's always a crapshoot with relievers. It is, yeah. So save your money. I've never been a big proponent of spending a lot of money on middle relievers and closers because there's not too many instances where you can point to it actually worked out. Mm-hmm. But, you know, I mean, really, I guess they're waiting on they're waiting on Chris Bryant to see what happens with the arbitrator with this grievance. But, I mean, we're, you know, 
we're almost done with January. You, you know, pitchers and catchers report in less than a month. Like, make some decisions already. Yeah, I'd like to see something for him for sure. And I like, like with them, like not wanting to spend money because they have other money tied up and not wanting to like spend any of their own money. It seems to me that, you know, like you said, the Cubs fill up Wrigley Field all the time. You know, they've got to be making a ton of money off merch, everything on the field. It's almost sort of like, you know, you're in your championship window with only a couple of years before Bryant hits free agency and a couple in like maybe two or three years before Baez does. Cause I think Baez is like 2021 and then Bryant could be 2020 or 2021. I just don't see why they just don't spend the money now because it seems like a, an investment in the Chicago Cubs. Like that money's going to come back to you. Sure. Yeah. You know what I mean? I mean, I, I think uh, we're right there with, I mean, we're right there with the Northern half of the city brother. Yeah. Uh, and it, and that's why I feel like there's more behind this. There's more that we're not seeing. And I think Marquis has a lot to do with it. Yeah. I think they made this – I think they were late. Uh, they, they were kind of late to the party with this, the whole concept of having your own network. I think that that concept uh, – you know, I think that concept is moving as far as the way that people consume TV – uh, how many, you know, how many people do you know? I mean, we're, we're both relatively young. How many people we know are peers? They don't have cable television at all. So many. And, and right now with, you know, with streaming of baseball, that's all done through MLB. So how, you know, throughout MLB TV. So how is, how is the marketing network and the money they put into it how is that going to generate the income they think it is when you have a shrinking cable slash broadcast market? I actually I never that, even took the time to think to about that. But so are you saying maybe the marquee network is like a bad investment because it all goes through like MLB anyway? Right. Well, yeah, because yeah. He, you know, they, they made this big partnership with Sinclair and once again, you know, Politically, it was not shrewd because of the fan base, and 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 I, I just there's a lot of Cubs fans out there that read Bleacher Nation every day that mm-hmm. aren't going to be happy about giving Sinclair their money, and you have millennials, and then you know millennials really you know folks under forty that there's a lot of them that don't have cable television. They don't have satellite television. They don't have a way to watch marquee anyways. So if they watch the Cubs, it's going to be through streaming service. And right now the only streaming service to watch major league baseball, uh, unless it's licensed, like some of the stuff they do on Amazon is MLB TV Mm and MLB TV, uh, MLB media gets that money and they break it up evenly between the third, you know, between all the ball clubs. So I, I I'm looking at this, you know, with with my entrepreneurial uh, glasses on, and I, the money is not there like it was, like when the Dodgers launched their own network, mm-hmm. like when the Cardinals launched their own network. The money is not there like it was five ten years ago. I think yeah. they're late to that party, and I think maybe they're based on the reaction to Marquee. I think they're getting it. I think they're starting to see that, and I think it's making them a little nervous. We're like the oh crap lights on now, and they're like, be oh. part of why, 
you know, part of why the purse strings are so tight. That makes sense, man. All of that stuff. I mean, that's just my opinion. Of course, we don't know. You know, there's no way of actually knowing. But based on their behavior, that's certainly what it feels like. Yeah, because it's like, I mean, they're doing nothing, like absolutely nothing. And it's like, I look at like, I listen to everything you just said now. And then I look at like everything that happened in Houston with like Jim Crane and Jeff Lunau, who like, are these cutthroat business guys who care about nothing else but, like, the business side of the game. And I get nervous that a lot of guys that are, you know, that are owning teams now and running teams now aren't really, like, super competitive winning a World Series and really caring about the fans as much as they just want to go in there and, like, cut a profit. But then the Cubs and the Astros, like, both won a World Series. So it's almost like, well, they obviously did something right because without the Ricketts and Theo, like – we're still drinking by ourselves to 70 win seasons. You know what I mean? But I do get a little nervous sometimes that like, because especially with everything that went down in like Miami with that whole ownership situation and them running the team into the ground and then like turning a profit and selling it to Derek Jeter and his buddies or whatever. Why get nervous sometimes, man, that baseball and now these guys that are in it are just running it too much like, you know, Jeff Bezos runs an Amazon or something like that, where it's like, man, I wonder if they're going to go in here and just run this thing like a cutthroat business. And then a lot of folks are going to get left behind where all of a sudden, you know, you've got fans who are like, man, I don't really know what's going on in baseball, but all these things are happening. And, you know, I don't, right. you know, especially when we're paying higher, especially when we're paying higher ticket prices oh my and God. we're and then now it's marquee you're paying higher subscription Dude. costs i mean i might go spend 12 dollars so, on like a shitty boiled hot dog you know what i'm saying like give me something right. man because fans want to feel like their voices are too especially like in this world where we all have twitter we can converse with everybody cubs fans in la cubs fans in chicago like i'm here in charlotte and you're in kentucky right Correct. And yeah. like this is what Twitter's done where everyone can get together and have a voice and like I think it's great that we can do that, but it's also, you know, like we see what you're doing now, you know, and like do you even really care about anything, you know, because there's so much more to baseball than just you know, turning a profit and then selling the ship in ten years or something like that. You know, sports is so valuable to you know, you and me and your family and my family and the fact that me and you can get together and talk about this, you know, it's like this meaningful thing that sometimes I look at the Cubs situation and then the Red Sox not wanting to add anybody and then everything that happened in Houston. Like if my if the Cubs had cheated to win their 2016 World Series, I would be distraught. I don't know if like I don't know what I would do. And I can only imagine like what folks in Houston are going through who watch their team win a World Series amidst like a huge hurricane. I mean, there were folks watching the World Series in a house flooded with a generator running in the background. And like that's all that was keeping them going. And sometimes it just makes me so mad to, you know, look at stuff like the Ricketts are doing and I'm like, do they really care about any of this, you know? I Man, it's the thing like growing up, you know, we gave so much grief uh to george steinbrenner right yeah and everything he did with the yankees his antics and all the spending and but you know what as long as that man was alive there was never a doubt who the biggest yankees fan in the world was absolutely it was their owner yeah and i don't feel that way right now no as 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 a cubs fan i don't i don't i don't i I mean i don't feel like the ricketts really care win or lose what happens oh no, man it, it feels like they've done the math 
Yeah. You know, they, they, they've done the math. They can spend X much, you know, X amount of money and be competitive, or they can spend X amount of money and turn a profit and yeah. turn in a profit. It's almost like they're like, if we can turn a profit and be competitive, so be it, but we're going to turn a profit. That's what it feels like to me. Yeah. And, and I think that, you know, when you look at a major market like the Cubs and you look at the money that this fans that we spend, uh, it just feels like a total slap in the face. Yeah. And, and, and I mean, like I said, it, it feels like the metaphor is like as Cubs fans, I mean, it feels like we're in the living room and like our dad, you know, our dad, the, that front office went out for a pack of cigarettes. <laughs> That's the best analogy it. ever. <laughs> It's uh, with to go get a and pack I, of parliaments. I got to believe that when Theo's time is up, when Theo's contract's up, he's not going to want to stick around to do this. So we're going to lose possibly the greatest general manager or baseball executive since Branch Rickey. All because the Ricketts are cheap. Yeah. And it's just, it, it's just really, it's just really depressing to think about it. Yeah, what do you take of the uh, Houston situation down there with the signs and their ownership? Yeah, well, so I mean, the ownership that 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 is a separate deal uh, to me as far as when you talk about money wise, but but money wise and, and the way that they are pigeonholing that franchise. But I think a lot of that too also plays into not knowing what Major League Baseball was going to do with the sign stealing scandal. And all I've heard, you know, all I've heard since the punishment came down and even before that were these comparisons between the sign ceiling scandal and steroids. And I really don't think that that's like the correct parallel in history to draw. And I'll tell you why. With, with steroids, we saw the cumulative effect, right? I mean, we saw the, the home run records go out the window. We saw 40-year-olds you know, look like better players than they were in their 20s. We saw Roger Clemens throwing 96 miles an hour. You know, 41-year-old Roger Clemens throwing 96 miles an hour in the seventh inning. Uh, you know, we saw all those things, and we understand the cumulative effects, but you couldn't point to a single moment in time where you could say the steroids changed the outcome of a World Series, yep. where steroids changed the outcome of a playoff series, right? It was a cumulative thing. It wasn't quantitative. Mm-hmm. But with sign stealing, right now, me and you, we can pinpoint the effect of this on it, uh, at least one World Series, but I think we have to assume two World yeah. Series and, and you know, how those things turned out. So the comparison that I draw is not to the steroids era, but it's actually to the 1919 Black Sox because mm-hmm. it's the only other time in baseball that I can think 100%. of where teams cheating directly change the outcome of the World Series. Mm-hmm. And I think that is the way we have to look at it. And I think that that's where the punishments, the level of punishments should have been. Yeah. Because after 1919, after that, Major League Baseball creates the Office of the Commissioner and they make the promise – to America and to baseball consumers that never again would they allow the outcome of the World Series to be in question. But here we are. It happened twice Mm -hmm. with the Astros. 
So I think that the the little piddly punishments that Manfred handed down, they lost a couple of draft picks, and then the amount of money that it takes to sign a utility infielder yeah, exactly. and did nothing to the players as of yet, I think it sends – I think it sends a clear message, kind of like Bud Bud Selig turning a blind eye to steroids. It, it sends yeah. a clear message: you do what you want, and if you happen to win a World Series doing it, if we catch you, you get to keep the jewelry. So you know, where's the disincentive? You know, there's not. Where is you know why? Where's the disincentive to do it, dude? I think it's and all, why isn't yeah. every other team in baseball not doing this now? <laughs> dude, I know five million bucks and like. We get to keep the rings. like, And I agree with you a million percent. Like, you have guys that have been given lifetime bans for affecting that 1919 World Series. Just three years ago, there was a Braves GM that got a lifetime ban for manipulating international pool money. Like, Pete Rose can't play baseball because he gambled and bet on his team. And right now, freaking DraftKings sponsors like MLB all the time on, like, their network showing commercials. We've obviously given gambling now a big hug. Like, give us your money. We want to make more of it. But And then all these guys, the home road splits in the 2017 World Series are so glaringly obvious among team stats for the Astros and individual player stats. It's 100% what you said. We have evidence. It's like literally I've got cookies. I've got Oreo cookies all up in my teeth. And I'm looking at you saying, I didn't get in the cookie jar. Like, bro, I see it. Like, you just did that. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you got Jose Altuve (laughs) circling around third base. You know, Mike, you know, uh, he's circling around third base and he's mic'd up like he's Omar on the wire. Dude. I mean, (laughs) and you got Josh Riddick, you know, you got Josh Riddick looking like he's on an episode of Narcos and he's about to go in and do a controlled box. 100%. You can see where the wires take to him. Dude, Jose Altuve, that's not, I mean, this isn't InfoWars quality conspiracy. I mean, this is actually solid. This happened. It happened right in front of all. I'm looking at the wires, man. Like, what are you telling me? I mean, for me, you know, for me, I would have vacated the World Series. And yeah. I would have vacated the World Series uh, victory. I would have vacated both of those AL pennants. Yep. Uh, and I would have, uh, I would have banned the Astros from postseason contention for at least two seasons. I like that idea a lot. It's like what they do two, with college football teams. You know, because you, if you don't. It's going to happen. I mean, the age yeah. of technology that we live on, the edge of talk technology that we live on, if you don't send that clear of a signal, this is going to happen. There's just going to oh, be yeah. teams to try to do it better. 100%, because right now we already know that players and other like GMs and managers are very unhappy with the punishment. And, part of, and then you see like players like Mike Clevenger, Cody Bellinger, Trevor Bauer, so outspoken about this on social media. And that sort of tells me, because when all of this first came out, I thought to myself, okay, is this something everyone's doing and the Astros just got caught because they won a World Series? Because we sort of have to figure this out, right? Because I think, if you ask me right now, I wouldn't feel super comfortable vacating the World Series if I know 25 out of 30 teams were doing this, right? But if I look at the reaction of all these players on contending teams like Aaron Judge, who's a great guy, 
is very upset about this. I'm thinking in my head, well, not everybody's doing this then. Because there are a lot of Astros fans on social media that are like, well, everyone will be laughing when we find out most teams are doing this. And I'm like, I don't know if that's the case. Players are very mad right now. Well, and even even still, I mean, that's, I mean, well, everybody else is doing it. Okay, but, you know, Tommy, we caught you outside the bank with all the well, money in true. your hand and the gun that shot the guard. But but everybody else robbed a bank. I mean, you you know you got caught. Yeah, even that. And yeah, that's, you're right. It, 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 and that's where I'm. Like I said, I would have vacated the World Series. I would have vacated the World Series appearances. I, I I would for the next two seasons. I would eliminate the possibility of postseason contention. I would basically rob them of the next two seasons because we can point to at least two seasons where they've done this nonsense. So yeah, you're gonna yeah. you're gonna give me one for one there. Yeah. And then I look at Jose Altuve and Josh Reddick and the other guys that we know that we feel pretty confident were involved in this. Mm-hmm. And if not, if not a lifetime ban, at least, at least a one-year suspension. Yeah. Because I know it's harsh. It has to be. It has to be. Because mm-hmm. you have to send the clear message to everyone else that this kind of, that, that our game – there's a sanctity of our game and our, and, and there's a sanctity to our world series and we will not tolerate anyone delegitimizing it. They had no problem doing it to Pete Rose. They had no problem doing it to shoeless Joe. They've had no problem, you know, like you said, doing it, uh, doing it up until this point. Yeah. But then we get here now and it's like it's not even a slap on a hand because I feel like calling that what they did a slap on a hand is like an insult to slaps on a hand everywhere. Yeah, it's ridiculous. I mean, five million dollars. Ridiculous. Like, I get, know that's the most you can yeah, do, but that's nothing. Like I don't even feel that. That would be like me giving someone on the street, like, like giving a buddy five bucks. Like here's five bucks, bro. You can yeah. just keep it. Like I don't need it back. Like here's five. I, I million think we don't. I think we'd all feel better about it if they just would have done nothing, right? Yeah, I, I, I mean, I'd at least I feel the same way because nothing. It. Yeah, they just wouldn't punish them at all. Yeah, and I'm wondering, like, if this wasn't like Jim Crane or like, like being like behind the scenes, like, don't take my ring. I'm a billionaire owner. Like, you're my boss, Rob Manfred, or like, what sort of relationship these guys have, like, behind closed doors, if they're taking care of themselves or not. I don't know, um, but I wonder, like, if. Rob Manfred would have vacated that World Series. Like, was he worried about billionaire ownership being pissed at him on other teams or on the Astros or what? Yeah, I mean, sure. But yes. you have the gavel for a reason. Yeah, I mean, you're put in charge I mean, of this game to take care of the game, you know? You know, but also, too, uh, see, I think about I, I think about this, too, in, in correlation to, like, other scandals. Um, you know, the, the 1919 Black Sox, you know, you know what drove that investigation? You know, it, it wasn't Major League Baseball. You know, it was the IRS. It was the federal government. And when you look at and then and it, because the feds were so concerned with with the money, uh, the money that was made. Uh, the money that was made illegally in the gambling on the World Series, okay. that the IRS, um, is you got to you know you got to remember this is right at the outset as they're uh, right at the outset of prohibition mm-hmm. as they're standing up 
uh, as they're standing up the tax collectors and, and what we know is the IRS today, that's what drove the bus there. And then when you look at even steroids, Congress yep. is what, I mean, no, we would have never had anything happen with steroids had it not been for Congress dragging their butts up there to testify. And I wonder, you know, culturally, there's no outside force putting pressure on baseball. You know, there's none. Mm-mm. And and I almost feel like with everything that goes on in our world today, I mean, to us as baseball fans, it matters. But to the rest of the world or to the rest of the country, this is so small in comparison. And I think that that kind of goes to how much more baseball used to matter yeah, culturally and to the country as a whole. And I wonder if that's not why Manfred thought he could just sneak this thing through and not have to deal with the billionaire repercussions. You know, but as a baseball, I'm not going to call myself a purist, but as a, I do consider myself like an old school baseball fan, mm-hmm. I just, it, it really... It really is frustrating because I know that this is only going to lead to more things like this. And then it's going to make it worth, I mean, it's going to make winning the World Series worth nothing. That's what it's going to do. I mean, you, yeah, I mean, that's a, that's a great point. As a Cubs fan, I mean, we know how precious it is. We know how precious, you know, we, we know how precious 2016 was, oh, yeah. was to us. And to think that the next one really is worth nothing because you can just cheat and do it. And the commissioner will look the other way. It's just, it's really frustrating. That's a good point, man. I just, uh, well, I don't, I don't, I mean, I assume it's too late. Like major league baseball is probably not going to flick any other punishment. They've done their due diligence supposedly on the electronic buzzers and found nothing. And, Jose Altuve going across home plate, the you know, the video that's floating around online where he's, like, holding his jersey, he has, like, a very serious look on his face. Like, you can't do it. You can't do it. Like, almost panicky. And I think that's why a lot of folks see that video and they're like, yo, something's up with that, you know? And Yeah, I'm, um, I mean, to me, I mean, it's, it's obvious. I mean, it's, yeah. it's, it's obvious. And run straight back to the dugout immediately. Yeah, I mean anybody with a pulse. I mean it's obvious, and then, and I think the impact is obvious as well. Yeah, I, I think that, you know, if if you're if if you're the LA Dodgers, you know, oh my gosh, you Darvish, Clayton Kershaw now? getting rocked. Like I think I mean, about that. Like how much money that cost you, Darvish. What it did. Like Clayton Kershaw could very well have a World Series. His splits in the 2017 World Series. He had like a .85 ERA at Dodger Stadium and then a touchdown and half an extra point in Houston. And there's no doubt right. they knew exactly what was coming. You have to know what's coming in that rate. And that's the thing. I mean, a, a good uh, a good hitter can time a jet if they know it's coming. Yeah, exactly. Mundo. But, you know, one of the things I'm happy about is I feel like baseball players – have can have a tendency to like not speak out brashly um where sort of like the culture of baseball is a lot different than like football and basketball where people will tend to be reserved but i i like the fact that guys like cody bellinger and mike clevenger and aaron judge 
CC Sabathia, you know, mentioned on HBO, he felt the World Series should have been vacated. And I'm so happy that players or that there are current players having such strong opinions on this and they're not afraid to say anything because I feel like at least every current player now that says something um, harsh about the sign stealing scandal, I hope that that means that like the game is you know that the integrity is further protected you know like when you talk about the, oh you you know they're giving where's the players union where's the players union though that's a, that's I mean, a very good question because they couldn't crickets. even punish the players because the players have the world's strongest union i read that i don't know if that's true or not but i read that in a few places where it was like oh well the players aren't going to get punished because their union's so good like no one's going to protect that actually that's a really good point because you would think there would be guys in the players union who would be like we can't have this because this hurts the game more right. than anything yeah that's well, it, why i have you hurt, on the podcast it hurts man the game, yeah, 100%. It, hurts, it, it hurts your players it hurts i mean it, it's no different if, if this was an auto workers union and you had somebody uh in in a plant in the, in this auto plant doing the wrong thing that was you know making the rest of the union and the rest of the plants look bad and calling in the the question you know yeah. making it questionable the quality of their work. Mm-hmm. Okay, a union like UAW would deal with that because ultimately that's what that's what they have and that's all they have is the quality of the the quality of the folks and and the worksmanship of the people who participate in that union. And Major League Baseball is no different. So if Major League Baseball is not going to hold them to account, where are the rest of the players? holding themselves to account and using the union as a vehicle to do that. I mean, to me, that's, I mean, how strong of a message would that have been if, if the union comes out and says, you know, we don't stand for this players that participated in this are out of the union. period. How strong of a message does that send? I mean, completely changes the conversation. You know, so that's that's where I'm at. Where's the union? Yeah. Where's the leadership from the union? All right, well, that'll do it for today's show. Dude, John, thank you so much for being on the show, man. Hey, man, thanks for having me. Do you know, we'll do I'm, this again uh, you soon. Know, we're we'll... looking yeah. uh, within a month here. Uh, pitchers and catchers are going to report. And whatever 2020 is, it's going to be really soon. And as baseball fans, we should all be excited about that. Absolutely. I get I think the best time of year is like when like spring comes spring comes and spring training starts and then like opening day. Like just whatever that feeling is, I can't describe it, but it's the best in the world. And you know, to go that long, I'm sort of glad that we go so long without baseball because like it sort of like reinvigorates that appetite where it's like, okay, like bring it back. Spring's coming in. The weather's warming up a little bit. So, yeah, I'm super excited. So my dad used to tell me this antidote about being a Cubs fan. Of course, this was, you know, he, he, he passed away in 2004. So this was before the World Series and before, you know, these were some pretty lean years. And my dad always told me, that loving the Cubs is kind of like every year you get to have that that summer fling right where in the the early spring you meet this girl you get really interested you start talking and things start you know you start talking and really clicking and you're like wow I mean this really could be something 
And then you get into May and you get into June, the things are getting pretty hot and heavy and serious and you get committed only, you know, to find yourself in September cussing and drinking by yourself and <laughs> listening to way too much breakup music. There's there's no better analogy like than what you just as said. As Cubs fans, they do that to us more times than not. And it feels so good every time. <laughs> uh, all right, man. Well, on that note, we'll end it, man. Everybody, thanks for listening. And we'll see you guys next time. Take care.